I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to a special, special edition of The Watch Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. Joining me in the studio, the mother of dragons, it's Mal Rubin! Christopher, hello. Hey, Mal. It's great to be here with you. So the purpose of this podcast is to do a little bit of preview work. We're going to try and do these every week where we just do a little bit of a preview of the upcoming episode of Game of Thrones. Now, episode five yes. was a game-changing episode, and since you were about to cry, while I know that you would cry, you know, if you saw a like Happy Mother's Day card with a kitten on it, uh. you are getting emotional already thinking about your boy Hodor. Christopher, I think we both know that I'm thinking about my man Summer. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, just... I always forget that that's what you care about. <laughs> I just can't shake it. Just the way that he he threw himself into the pit of whites to save Bran, to give him that extra moment. Never tell a dire wolf the odds. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful moment. What a beautiful sacrifice. I'm still really torn up about what happened to Summer and Hodor. And the, the, just the end of that episode was so intense and so emotional. That's the thing that's sort of weird about that episode is that it is such a band-aid ripping off moment that I haven't... It's, I'm still processing right. what it means, right? Like what it means both for the storytelling rules that the show could play with now, but also the ripple effect that it's going to have on this world. And that's what I kind of want to talk about. So in episode five, end of episode five, obviously, if you're listening to a preview podcast, I'm sure you know Hodor, a.k.a. Willis, sacrifices himself, or does he get made to sacrifice himself by Bran? You know, that is, it's not quite ambiguous. I think that Bran obviously works into him in a past to control what he does in the present. Or maybe just working into him in general just shatters that, those walls i mean these are the things that we're now dealing with on this show well it's like there are a ton of questions so it would be foolish and wrong to say that it's actually like sort of simple to boil it down to one thing but when we're talking about this particular storyline and really all of it it's like was the three eye raven right or wrong when he said the ink is already dry yes like is that true or not was it that like more of a suggestion Right. Is time a loop? Like, was Bran always there? Did that always happen? Was Hodor always going to meet this end? Does he know that he's going to meet this end? Is that why he's sort of melancholy? Yeah. Like, you know what I I found myself thinking back to as I was reflecting? Because in the moment, you're just so totally (laughs) enthralled and gripped by what you're seeing, um, or at least what you can see through the the waterfall of tears, in my case. But when I was reflecting on it in the, in the, the, the following, you know, minutes and hours and days, I found myself thinking back to a cool scene that uh, Tyrion and Jamie share Ooh. in season four before the Mountain and the Viper, when Tyrion is like, you know, he's at the, the, the on the, the brink of finding out what his fate is. And the thing that he keeps thinking back to is his cousin. The, oh, right. the dim-witted right. cousin who just couldn't stop squashing the beetles and making the sounds. And Tyrion basically says like that he was just consumed by trying to figure out what was going through Orson? Yeah, Orson's so. mind? Yeah. And I found myself thinking about that with Hodor. It's like just because a character on this show is not capable of fully expressing something doesn't mean that the wheels aren't turning. And it's actually, it's really devastating to yeah. think. Like you noted, you made an amazing observation that oh, when, oh, you're welcome. I mean, it was bound to happen eventually. <laughs> when Jojen and the whole crew made it to the tree in the first place and the Three-Eyed Raven says, 
he knew, you know, because Mira's like, yeah. my brother died to get us here. And the three-eyed raven says, he knew. And the camera sort of lingers on Hoder. Right. And it's like, is that a very subtle... And it's like, he knew the entire time and he did it anyway. And it's a, like a, a shot stays on Hodor. Right. Um, that brings up a good point because like the other side of this is Bran. Right. Who increasingly seems like he might be just raw skills, raw tools. Yeah. The most powerful person on this show. Right. Not necessarily knowing what to do with it, not necessarily having an army behind him, not having an ideology, not having um, believers. Right. But just raw tools. Yeah, I mean, this is ben like... Ben Simmons in the high post right now. <laughs> can't, can't shoot, can't play defense, but, but the, the raw ability yeah. is there. I mean, we've been talking about this since before the season even began. Like, the hints have always been there that Bran was capable of extraordinary. But I always thought Bran would be like a kind of a chorus for the show. Right. Like a person who was watching... And maybe and when when I think that we've heard rumors about the flashbacks and it became clear that it was Bran who's going to be the the mechanism for those flashbacks, I thought Bran was going to be like, oh, for the viewers at home who didn't know what happened at Tower of Joy. Right. Well, how much of that stemmed from the fact that we really thought other characters were going to play yeah. the key roles and how much of it stemmed from the fact that Bran was literally not a part of an entire season of this show, right? Five seasons in, you're spending 10 hours and Bran's not there, and it's like really hard as a viewer to talk yourself into the idea that he has a big role to play when he's not he's not there in yeah. season five. So then he comes back in this huge way, and it's like it's pretty fascinating. I think one of the interesting things is like much like your boy Ben Simmons, Bran doesn't really know what to do with this yet, yeah. and he didn't get to complete his training. And you know, the Three Eyed Raven is like, all right, you're up, homie. Like yeah, you don't right. know what to do. You're not ready, but you don't have a choice. You have to step up. And so that, that's true for so many characters in this show. It's like you don't have a choice, but you have to step up. Bran, it's not just that he hasn't had the reps. Like he's not really emotionally mature enough no. for the position that well, he's in. Well, that's what I mean. He he did that on his own. He right. wasn't supposed to jump on the branch solo. Do you think Bran is selfish? No, I, I think Bran is overwhelmed and aching for a family that he doesn't have. Yeah, I just think he's been. I mean, I think the the I I usually find like you know Arya's blindness, for instance, is is like was sort of a trial that I didn't necessarily think that she you know it's just like watching it. You're like I, her being in the house of black and white and training is enough. Right, blindness is not the thing that's going to convince me that she understands that she needs to be no one. Brand's paralysis is increasingly just such an interesting part of his character and just the fact that it came from the Lannisters that it has this incredible contrast with his ability to fly and be so free in his dreams. Um, I don't think he's selfish though. Uh, I don't think, I don't think he's, I just don't think he knows what to do with himself like a teenager. Right. And it is just, again, like he's so young and he was robbed so early of guidance and influence and like it's really it's really strange to think that his support system for this uh, you know the whole way leading up to this episode where he was then robbed of half of that support system was an animal uh someone that the the a other characters on this yeah. yeah on this show would describe as simple yeah and a girl when traditionally in this world girls are not 
figures of authority yeah. until again really this season in a lot of ways um and i think you know I, I we also like a lot of brand ties back to a lot of earlier moments in interesting ways so, like when Varys and Tyrion are talking in season two and Varys has you know one of the most quoted lines since about a very small man can cast a very big mm-hmm. shadow and the idea of power and what power really is and what is just a conception and brand fits in perfectly to that right. you know you don't in, in a world so often defined by physical strength and motion you know who's the most powerful people it's the woman who can walk through fire it's the dragon that can soar through the air it's the 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 knight who can swing the sword the fastest and with the greatest force brand can't do any of that but in theory he can do all of it and right. that's awesome yeah so brand we think is heading south i mean i there's not that much farther north to go, so let's just hope Mira had a compass and she was just like, you know, slowly but surely. I think everything is sort of converging towards Winterfell, right? Right, and it was cool. Now thinking about this in retrospect, the conversations that they have about, oh, you know, what are we going to do? We only have two thousand people. It's like, yeah, but you do have the Red Woman, right? And if Bran's there, like. Do you need anybody else? <laughs> like, you know, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what practical applications there are for what Bran can do or when he's going to know, understand any of those. And does he need a tree? There is a tree in Winterfell, isn't there? There sure is. There's a heart tree right in, right in the Godswood. Okay. Right there. That's convenient. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's kind of funny is like you're totally right that a lot of the characters are going to convert. It seems like a lot of the characters yeah. are going to converge in Winterfell. And Danny simultaneously then is like finally making some progress right she's got this giant Dothraki horde presumably she'll go sync up with her folks in marine again when she gets back there she'll find out that her dragons aren't chained in the catacombs anymore and then she'll go so now we find out that she'll find out that somebody made a deal to allow slavery in the places that she had just right but but like the idea she's bringing a group of people who don't play well with others totally but like there's something amazing about the idea that as she finally inches closer and closer to the her goal which is king's landing and and the iron throne all of these other characters are actually moving further away from that yeah like so she's getting closer but not to them right it seems like they're going into a more it's like a more regional time for game of thrones it's like the north the east, the west, the south. You thank know. God we have that map. I know, thank the God. Um, let's wrap up by talking about the concept of what's the ripple effect, both of what happens to Hodor in terms of of what does it mean for, for Bran's journey, but also just like, do you think that his the, the fact that, what do you think else Bran is going to see? If you just had to guess as somebody who's read the books, it, there was a obvious... Um, use for everything that the raven had showed bran right i think i think i don't know he didn't get to finish the book you know what i mean like he yeah he's like george martin in that way he (laughs) well but he showed him yeah the state like the courtyard and ned and liana and and benjen right right and then he shows him tower of joy but not the whole story that's the one that interests me the most because it seemed basically like a certainty that bran through these visions and these glimpses into the past would finally allow us as show watchers to see the complete Tower of Joy journey and thus to finally to learn the truth about a certain character's parentage. And can he do that's that what anymore? We think, right? Like that's yeah. like the popular opinion is that there's I mean, if you're listening to this, like this is a Be spoiler. Warned. This is a potential spoiler because it's something that's been discussed online about Game of Thrones. So right. if you don't want fast forward like 15 seconds or whatever but that john the john is in that 
tower that right. Liana is John's mother. Exactly. And that Ned finds John, brings him home with him, and is like, you're my son, I'll raise you as my own. Exactly. There's a line in the books that Ned keeps thinking back on in book one, where Liana dying says to him promise me ned promise me it's like promise me what that you will raise this baby as your own and pretend that he's his so that he's not ever in harm's way or cast aside or threatened because of who his father might be so if bran can't see the rest of that vision yeah it's like what is the the raven was the raven just the channel guide was he like like can bran tap into anything he wants now I don't know. And then and then of course the other question is is the 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 Night's King and the White Walkers is can they like basically did that work once that connection right. or is that now ever present that the, that the Night's King can basically just find Bran that he's always that they are connected in a way that's unbreakable. Yeah, I I'm going to be super curious to know whether or not a whether or not what was it about that courtyard scene why them when they're kids? Right. Right when when Ned's going to go to the to the Vale, right? Yes. And Benjamin's there. Right. Like, what was it about that point that was like the point where he had to to do Willis? You know, like to make So to, well so the, so there are two we've seen two courtyard Winterfell memories. I guess we are maybe supposed to assume that Bran just went back to that same memory cuz it's in like a later right part she of comes it. in and she's like who are you going to spar with when he goes to the Vale? Right. That's in the episode 2 or 3 or whatever right. too. And then in five, Ned is talking to his father, Rickard, and is saying goodbye. Yes. As he's about to head off to the Vale. Yes. And Ned's dad says to him, basically, essentially, like, you don't always have to fight, but if you're going to fight, win, which of right. course could basically be the tagline for the entire show. Of course, yeah. Um, so it is interesting. And, and it's interesting, too, that, like, that's. They knew at that point because Bran had gone off on his own before that, and that was when he sort of activated this magic that allowed yeah. the Night's King to find yeah. him. But that, back in the courtyard with Ned and Ned's father, that was with the Three-Eyed Raven. He was there. He it, Presumably, he was like, we have one moment left in time where I can show you one last thing, and that was what he chose to show Bran. Wait, in five? Yeah. But I thought Bran did that solo. No, Br- the Bran solo thing is when he goes back to what is presumably the Heart of Winter. And that's when he's walking through the oh, army of the dead. Right. And the Night's King right. sees him and the Night's King touches him and he pops back in and he's like, uh oh. And then the Raven is like, when, let's when go Ho- back. When Hodor happens, yeah. when the Night's King actually arrives and Mira sees that it's she's, you know, she makes the classic rookie mistake of saying, Hodor, we can go home now. <laughs> and it's like, oh, boy, <laughs> never Me say Bane. that. Never say that on this show. Um, and then, you know, it cuts back to Bran and he is in the Winterfell Courtyard watching Ned say goodbye to his father. I'm trying to figure it out. Stuff. I don't know, man. What and happens then of in course, that moment? Like, this is the thing that happened because of five. It's like the Hodor stuff is so intense that I'm still trying to process the child children of the forest made I the know. Night's King. I know, man. Maybe, I mean, maybe it was just the three-eyed raven. Again, he says when they arrive, I've been watching all of you. He knows, right? He knows that that's happened, mm-hmm. presumably, if the ink really is dry. And he must know in that moment that he has to take Bran there because Bran has to make Hoder Hoder. That all has to happen because it all has happened. I feel like we're in a Battlestar Galactica episode. I know. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again, right? <sighs> I also don't love the fact that Rickard told... Ned that because it has so many parallels to like John's right. disinterest in fighting right now but Sansa's really trying to encourage him to fight she is I, I mean, mean I don't think that John's gonna die twice on this show 
But that's the thing is that we've talked about like the hero's journey on on After the Thrones. And I think that this show is really confrontational with like, I don't know who the hero of the show is anymore. What do you think about this idea? A couple people in our office were talking about this today that like Danny might be a villain. Um, you mean like as a reading of the show or as like in the end of the show, Danny is going to be the Mad King? That, the latter. I think that there is some credence to that given like what she does to people, yeah. Burn them all, yeah. right? I mean, that's literally what he was saying as I she think died. she's definitely got some of her father in her, yeah. Do you, speaking of the Mad King, do you want to take just one quick moment to go down crazy lane here? Yeah, let's do it. And you talk about the... your theory? It's not my theory. You subscribe to it. You're I mean, I read it. it on Reddit. And, so. and you're into it. You liked it. You were texting me at like 1 a.m. about it. Because I was like, this is the dopest thing I've heard in a minute. Because if they did this, it would just be like, what the fuck? Why did we even watch this thing? I hope this isn't true now. Uh, the idea is basically that Bran is responsible for everything bad that's ever happened. Right. But primarily that Bran goes back in time to stop the, all the events of this show from happening by asking the Mad King or like starts to haunt the Mad King basically with like his whispers, you know, Ned, hears right. the wind that Bran goes back. And I think he's trying to like basically either convince the Night's King to let his dad go or something like that, which did not happen. Doesn't let him go. Uh, and that his whispers drive the Mad King insane. And that's why all this stuff happens doesn't account for everything but i like i like the i like the theory a lot what do you think that sounds like the pilot of the the sci-fi reboot of 12 monkeys yeah i know <laughs> something terrible <laughs> happened so let's go back to yeah. before it happened and, and then make and, it worse yeah, yeah make right. it way worse um do you have any have you read any theories that you, you think are just incredible um I mean, there are. It's one of those things where there are so many that it's hard to even like recall one in this moment. Um, I mean, that's what's been fascinating about this season. Just as a book reader, like it has moved ahead, so well, a lot of this. things have been. Was there? There were theories before about who the Night's King is, right? Right. And whether it was somebody we knew, because it seems like it's not, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that has been an interesting thing to sort of process after this episode is the 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 what appears to be a just a different he, people timeline. thought he was a stark right well the the knight's king i think it might just be a different character right. basically like that in, in in the book world there's a you know some stark stuff some some knights watch lord commander stuff with who that guy might be but what we saw in this episode if that was the knight's king that the children of the farce created and not just some original white walker like the the Night's Watch didn't even exist at that point in time, right? So that's the first men versus children in the forest, right? Right. So that's where the timeline stuff comes into play, and I think simplifying the timeline for the the show verse is a perfectly reasonable and logical thing to do. But in the book world, it's like the the children of the forest and the first men are warring for quite some time, but then they come to a a, a, a peace, the pact, and there's these this long extended yeah. period of time of uh civil communal living we're actually the first man like that's why like um the the northerners on this show like worship the heart tree and a lot of those traditions they actually adopted from the children of the forest during that time and then in that time after that peace that fragile peace that was when the others which is what yeah, so wait, let me ask you a quick question for the first time I got you here yeah when do they build the wall then they build the wall after yeah brand so the builder men raises the wall. versus children of the forest then the others pop up because the children of the forest 
But that's the thing. In the book world, it's like they, they're already at peace at that point. The children of the forest and the first man have, have, oh, the have been living in peace for the, thousands the winter, of years. Right? Well, right. So it's like if they were created by the children of the forest as a weapon to be used against the first man, presumably that means the first men and the children of the forest were still warring at that time, but that wouldn't align with the book timeline. I got you. Okay. Which is just, I guess, different. Um, but yeah. How about your girl, Kinvara? Can you officially start calling me the flame truth? I thought she was really interesting. <laughs> I think she's kind of interesting. I and it's interesting to think there's going to be a little. Uh, what's the what's the the children's story where you come back and it's like who's been sleeping in my bed? Right. It's like it's interesting that like Daenerys will come back maybe and there's going to be like a new person in town who's like also got wants a seat at the table. Totally. To give her to give her counsel. Well, and like with her and Melisandre and really I guess so many of these these figures, it's like do they really believe? what they're saying or is it like does she actually believe that danny is this this figure like like the or the prince who is promised right or is like is it always just about identifying like the pawn who can advance your rhetoric yeah i think that this like we talked about this a little bit on the show but that i found that scene to be Varys be way more confrontational than maybe yeah oh yeah it because the people who follow Lord of Light typically do not allow for dissenting opinions. Davos is is kind of a Cinderella story that, that he's still alive. Totally. Um, given the fact that Stannis lit lots of dudes on fire. Yes. Um, because they didn't believe in, 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 in him or Melisandre's prophecies. So if Varys has other stuff going on, he might want to get back on a boat pretty soon. <laughs> you know, like if he's got a couple of different irons on the fire, he might not want to be be right right there for that much longer i just wonder how danny will respond to that too it's like she's not really a character yeah, that... danny already thinks that she's the prince who was promised in other words doesn't she i yeah. mean she's completely convinced of her own messianic properties yeah she's 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 reading her own press but like does she want someone else conveying that message on her behalf yeah and she's also never mentioned lord of light in the entire time that she's been on the show right no she's certainly never been i mean she's never been a character who has adopted an an external religion she has been her own religion yeah the dragons have been her religion which is quasi-humanist and it's freeing of slaves but pretty rigid in its adherence to what she wants right hmm. okay it's a lot to chew on uh one thing that you really hope episode six gets to Ooh. a character a storyline an answer to a question you know it feels a little a little tangential and a little backburnery right now, but I am really anxious to see Arya's storyline take that next step. Yeah, um, I thought that in an episode that we, again, like you, you and Andy talked about this on on After the Thrones, in an episode that was that full of not only emotionally weighty moments but genuine, like impactful, relevant, mythological moments yeah. that advance the story in significant ways. It's hard to even remember that the, like, you know, 10 minutes or however long we spent with Arya was pretty interesting. We learned a lot about the Faceless Men, which we didn't know before. But I thought, like, her face, just while she was watching the Mummers troupe put on the show of basically what had happened in the first season of, of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. um, and making a mockery out of Ned and his legacy her face you can just see it it's like she's supposed to be becoming no one and she's just reminded over and over again of who she is of the stark 
history and everything horrible that happened to her family and it's like i don't want aria to become no one i want aria to go back to being aria because aria was awesome and aria as a part of this family is awesome i loved hearing it was just a little tiny moment in time but sansa and brianne talking about aria like sansa cares that aria is out there like i want them to see each other again i want aria to go back to westeros and stab walder thray Walder Frey through the throat. Like, I want her to take her vengeance on the people we think deserve it. Yeah. Not just these random actresses with nice tits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, mean, I My only thing is I want to see... Let's get these Let's get these Tyrell kids out of these jail cells. Let's, yeah. let's get it going in King's Landing. Make King's Landing great again. Uh, <laughs> all right. This has been a special episode of The Watch, our Game of Thrones preview. You can listen to The Watch every Monday. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Music, wherever you get uh, podcasts and also be sure to subscribe to all of the ringers podcasts that's the nfl show the nba show keeping it 1600 channel 33 the bill simmons podcast i hear is quite good mm. talk to you guys later